Well, today we're starting a new series that I'm calling Declaration. Because I believe that there's a power in declaration. It was 243 years ago that our nation declared its independence. And the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence makes the following statements. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. See, this nation was established with a common commitment that the people would be governed by the laws that were established by God. This was a new thing. This was something that was different on the face of this earth, that a nation was set up, and that their whole law system, their whole justice system, was literally based on God's word. People try to deny that today, but if you actually go to our nation's capital and tour the buildings, you see scripture engraved into the walls of various monuments. You see speeches by former presidents that read more like a sermon than a speech, a political speech. You see engraved right in the middle of our our Supreme Court, you see the engravement, and there standing right in the middle is Moses with the law of God. So don't tell me that this nation wasn't founded on those principles. And as I begin to think about some of those things, and and it struck me that our nation declared, here's some things that really stood out to me that I think really can be a lesson to all of us. Our nation declared their freedom before it became a reality. There's a power in that. They declared their freedom before it became a reality. They declared it. They put it on paper. They signed it, but there were still battles to fight. The enemy didn't just say, oh, well, you declared it okay. Right? And so how would we, why would we expect it to be any different in our spiritual lives? But here's, here's one of the things that I believe. I believe that they could fight against the overwhelming odds for two reasons. Number one, they knew that they had God on their side. And number two, once they declared their freedom, they were already free in their hearts. And because of that freedom in their hearts, they could face the hardships. They could keep going on because inside they were already free. I think there is so much we can learn from that. We all long to be free. We all long to be free in many areas, but sometimes our reality can make it hard for us to visualize what that freedom would truly look like. And we don't comprehend because we've been so bound up by things for so long. But I believe that there's a real power in declaring freedom in our hearts while it is still only a dream. There's a power in that. We see it in the birth of our nation. And, you know, but when we do that as believers, we declare our freedom in Christ. We declare those things. Guess what? There's still going to be battles that we fight. Our enemy is not going to back down at that point and say, oh, well, you made your declaration. I'm stepping out of the way. No, there's still battles to be fought. And the odds may seem overwhelmingly against us. But I'm here to tell you this morning, God is on your side. You can be free in your heart. And as you walk this thing out, your dream of freedom can become a reality through Christ Jesus. 
The one thing I want you to remember this morning and put in your heart, your freedom was declared with the words, it is finished. I'm going to say that again. Your freedom was declared with the words, it is finished. So how do we respond to that? How do we obtain that? It's really pretty simple. We must in turn declare, Jesus is Lord. That is our proper response to the work that he did on the cross. And once we do that, there is so much that opens up in our lives. There are so many things. And as I begin to think about that, I begin to think, okay, what, what passage of Scripture can we kind of hang our hat on for this message today? And my mind went to Jeremiah 29, 11. You probably all know it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, I've heard the question asked through the years, can we, literally, can we literally really claim that Old Testament promise? Because I've seen some debate on that, because obviously it makes a statement that he was speaking to the exiles in Babylon. But I believe the answer to that question is, yes, we can declare it, and here's why. At the Last Supper, Jesus, when he lifted up the cup, he said that the cup represented his blood, and he said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. We're under a new covenant. And because of Christ, everything that God meant for his chosen people, Israel, became available for those of us that are under the new covenant. See, the truth is, once we were exiles to sin... But because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we've been set free, and Jesus himself declared that we could have life and have it to the full. John 8, 36 says this, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. See, Jesus is the fulfillment of all these promises. In Jeremiah 29, 11, if nothing else, we have to say, you know what? You read Jeremiah 29, 11, that's just stating God's nature, Period. God's nature is to love us, and he desires the best for us. You weren't created to be cursed. You weren't created to face nothing but difficulties in your life. This Thursday, we celebrate our, as I said, our nation's 243rd birthday. It was almost two and a half centuries ago that this nation was born. A nation based on the ideas of liberty personal responsibility, godliness, and the freedom to become what God intended us to be as people. As I said earlier, this was kind of a new revolutionary idea that, that there wasn't a, a stated, here's our national religion, but that we were free to pursue God. We were free to serve him. We were free to live in this place, in this nation and there's, you know what, to me, no doubt this nation was born and God intended it to exist. You read the historical writings of the things that happened during the Revolutionary War, and there is zero doubt that God was with us. Way too many miracles. Way too many times they should have been beat because they were up against overwhelming odds, but yet somehow things turned in their favor. 
To me, this celebration of our nation's birthday is really a celebration of our freedom. Matter of fact, I want to take this a step further. Not only do I believe that God was with us, I believe that in a sense this nation was established to be kind of a, a, a New Testament promised land. And we get to live here. But you know what? Sometimes we tend to forget freedom isn't free. But it is infinitely valuable. If there's any principle we should grasp as a nation is that, that, and that perhaps we have forgotten is the understanding that we are free because of the sacrifices and the blood shed on our behalf. This freedom was paid at a high price. The ideal of freedom that our founding fathers declared was deemed valuable enough to risk everything on. They risked their fortunes. They risked their families. They risked their reputations. They risked their honor. Many lost their lives. Others suffered greatly. Quite a few of them were wealthy when it started and broke when it ended. But yet they thought freedom was worth paying for. And because of that, today, we can worship in security. We can worship in comfort. We don't have to hide somewhere like people do in some nations. And, and we can have that because of thousands of young men that shed their blood many times on lands and places we never heard of so that we can be free. See, this, this whole idea, we should remember this thing because many times their names maybe are people that, that won't be remembered, but they, we can experience this joy, we can experience this freedom, and we can experience the responsibility of that freedom, which is a word we don't use too much anymore, because of the price it was paid. In a letter to William Smith dated November 13, 1787, Thomas Jefferson wrote, The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. No, freedom is not free. The price is always paid in blood. What a parallel. Over 2,000 years ago, a young man hung on a tree and his blood spilled on the ground so we could experience what real freedom is. Later, the Apostle Paul wrote the words regarding the work that Jesus had done to set us free. He said in Romans 8, 2, he said, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. That's the best freedom of all. See, we celebrate an independence as a nation. And as wonderful as all this is, this, this freedom that we have will only be temporary if people lose the concept of it being something worth fighting for. Man, there's so many political things I want to say now, but I'm going to move on. <laughs> but it is worth sacrificing for. But on the cross, a freedom was declared that will not pass away. A freedom guaranteed for all eternity. To be truly free. A promise of hope and a future. Sound a little bit like Jeremiah 29, 11? Isn't that what Jesus promised us? 
And so today I want us to take a few minutes and we're going to explore three ways that Jesus set us free. And I believe that these are powerful. And I believe that there's a power in declaring these things over our lives. Number one, freedom from guilt. Number two, freedom from consequence. Number three, freedom from accusation. And we're going to explore those just a little bit. Let's talk about declaring freedom from guilt. How many of you have ever really kind of felt the weight of guilt? Something that you've done or something that you didn't do that you should have done. There are times that we face guilt in life. What is guilt? Guilt is a feeling of responsibility or a feeling of remorse. It's a, for something that you've done or something that you didn't do that you should have done, a, a crime, a, a wrong. And sometimes it can be something very real. Sometimes it can be just something imagined that we heap on ourselves. But have you ever yourself or seen somebody that just seems to drag their past around with them and all the guilt of the stuff of the past everywhere they go. I mean, it just, you can almost see them walking through life with like there's this weight on them. Everything they go and everything they do, it seems like it's such a, a heavy labor and a heavy burden because of all the weight of all the guilt and all the stuff that is on their life. Maybe they feel like they failed miserably in the past or they failed at a marriage or they failed at, at, at parenting and they carry all the guilt of all that or they failed financially because of some wrong decisions they made or they failed at religion because they see religion as something that's just a bunch of rules that have to be kept. But see, following rules isn't freedom. A relationship with Christ is freedom. Maybe you've seen them, they feel like they failed and failed and failed and the gift of their failures and, 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 their, and their poor choices they made in life is just this burden they carry with them everywhere they go and they just can't seem to get past it. You know what the good news is? Jesus shed his blood so that we could have that freedom, so we could lose that guilt Read you Romans 4, 7, and 8. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. If that's not a verse on freedom, I don't know what is. I love the key word there, forgiven. So I thought about that. I thought about a story that I heard years ago. A little boy named Billy was, would go to every summer to stay at his grandfather's place. And the grandfather lived out on this big farm. And there was all these animals and all these things. And so one summer he showed up and, and his uh, grandfather gave Billy a present. He gave him a slingshot. And so he had all the space out there. He could shoot the slingshot. And he was there, and his sister Sally was there, and they were hanging out with the grandparents for the summer, and it was this great time, and Billy practiced and practiced with the slingshot, but he just, he just qu- couldn't quite get the knack of, of hitting something. So one day, some of his grandfather's ducks come walking across, 
And he decides he's going to see if he can hit one of the ducks. He pulls back the rock, takes his aim, and lets go. And sure enough, that was the one time his aim was dead on. And the duck dropped like a rock. He was like, oh, no. How am I going to explain this one? And he looks around, and sure enough, there's his sister Sally looking right at him and saw the whole thing. But his sister didn't run right off and tell the grandfather exactly what he had done. She decided, I'm going to use this to my advantage. Because during the this, during this summer, they had these chores they were supposed to do on the farm to help out while they were there. And so she, every time her turn for one of the chores would come up, she would remind Billy, I saw what you did. <laughs> and if you want me to not tell granddad, you get to do my chores too. This went on for days and even a couple of weeks and I mean little Billy was wearing himself out and 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 finally one day he said you know what enough of this he decides the only way I see out is to go tell granddad myself so he goes to tell his granddad he walks up and he tells me he says oh yeah it is you stubborn stubborn stumble on your words and you stammer and you're trying to get it get it out and finally he gets it out and he begins to tell his granddad what his did and his granddad says oh i saw it when it happened (laughs) he said i was just wondering how long you were going to let your sister keep you in bondage until you came and asked for forgiveness Isn't that the way we work with Christ sometimes? I wonder how many times he's sitting back. He's wanting us to be free. Because he saw what we did. And we keep it. We hide it. We carry the burdens. We play games with it. We do all of these things. And finally... When we finally say, Lord, I give this to you, I ask for your forgiveness, and we lay it at his feet because of the work he did on the cross, I wonder how many times he's looking at us and he's going, it's about time I saw you when you did it. I just want to know how long you were going to let that keep you in bondage. See, my point is, so many times in this life, we carry all this guilt and all this stuff, and we let it weigh us down, and we carry it, and we carry it, and maybe even we've asked Jesus into our life, but we keep, you know, he's forgiven us, he's taken us, but we keep picking it back up, thinking we got to carry it because we don't forgive ourselves. How wonderful is it to know that we can lay all that stuff down? Some of you this morning, he's saying, I love you. How long are you going to continue to be a slave to this guilt before you ask for my forgiveness? Ephesians 1.7 says this. I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation because I love the way it puts this verse. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. See, so many times we carry all this weight 
and all these burdens, and we beat ourselves up, and it's such a heavy load, and the whole time he's saying, you know what, if you would just lay it down, I can set you free. You can be free. Let me give you a picture of how complete that freedom is. Because you look at Scripture. What what does Scripture say about this forgiveness? What does Scripture say about how God looks at our sins once we confess them, when we turn them to him? Well, Psalms 103 says that he cast it as far as the east is from the west. Yes, he didn't say north and south. Because once you go north so far, you begin to go south. But when you start going east or you start going west, you continue to go west. You continue to go east around and around and around. Isn't that an interesting picture? As far as the east is from the west, you can't cast it any further than that. But he doesn't stop there. Micah 7, 9 says that he casts all our sins into the depths of the sea. There's some pretty deep places in the sea, I just want to tell you. Matter of fact, the the average depth of the ocean on average is 12,100 feet. I did a little research. The deepest known part of the ocean is called the Challenger Deep. It is 36,200 feet deep. That is a long way to cast our sins. And if you want something a little simpler to comprehend than that, Isaiah 38, 17 says, You have cast all my sins behind your back. What do you do sometimes when you're done with something? You don't throw it out in front of you where you see it again. You wad it up, you toss it over your shoulder, and you say, I'm done with it. You get the picture? So many times we're carrying all this guilt. We're carrying all these burdens. We hold on to all these things. And he's saying, if you would just give it to me, if you would just confess it, if you would just turn your life, I will wipe it clean. It'll be gone. There's another freedom that he offers us. So we can declare that there are no consequences to our sins. What's a consequence? Well, if you're a parent, that's kind of become the word, you know, when I was a kid, it was just, you're in trouble, you're going to get your tail busted. But, you know, um, now the thing is, you have to say, there are conse- here's the consequences for what you did. Well, guess what? There's consequences. But I love the idea that we can declare that there are no consequences. I'm going to explain that a little bit more. But but how many know that when a law is broken, there's consequences? Just curious. Anybody here get a little nervous when you saw the police car sitting out there this morning when you pulled up? (laughs) Jonathan made the statement he wanted to stand out there and see how many people just kept driving when they saw that. What do we all do? I mean, you can be driving down the highway at a safe, normal, right speed, and you see a cop car, and everybody's brakes lights comes on. See, sometimes we may escape the legal consequences of our misdeeds, but there are still consequences. I never stood before a judge on the wrong side of the law. I am very, very thankful for that. Yet the Bible teaches that we will all 
face judgment. And in this, in this day and time when we preach grace, 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 and love, 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 and that is all true, sometimes I think we forget that God is still a God of judgment. That one day there will be a reckoning. And we've all broken God's law. The Bible says we all fall short. Hebrews 9.27 says this, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, after that comes judgment. So if there's a judgment, and there's a consequence for our sin, what is that consequence? Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, comma, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am so glad that's a comma instead of a period. How sad would it be if it said the wages of sin is death, period. We would all be in trouble. But I love what comes after the comma. But the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know what that is? That's a freedom from the consequences we deserve. I remember as a kid, going to the store, my brother and I get squabbling with each other or something, and, and my dad would look at me. He just had a way. He wasn't. He was a very laid back man, really nice man. But he would. He just had a way of looking at me and said, "You're going to get it when you get home." And we knew what it was. And from that point on, we were the best behaved kids. We were hoping that he would forget the consequences if we were really good the rest of the time we were out. And then we would go home. I remember many times going home and, and, and saying, I'm tired of going directly to bed and covering with the covers. I want really want to go to sleep. But I thought if I go in there and I act like I'm asleep, I won't get the consequences. But there is. Most of the time it didn't work. That is a horrible feeling when the light comes onto your room and, and dad comes walking and he says, uh, remember what happened at the store? Mm. And this bad thing is I already changed in my pajamas. They're much thinner than the regular pants, right? So, But yet, there were times later as I grew up, he said, he goes, there were times I didn't really forget. I decided to not make you pay the consequences. John 19.30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. In John 19, we read that. And the interesting thing is the original word that was translated, it is finished, is actually a, a original Greek word, teltelestai. And it's in a couple of places, and it's translated it is finished, and it means it is finished, or it means it is accomplished. 
All those are great translations, but the, the thing that we don't understand is that in the New Testament time, an abbreviated version of that word many times were written on documents when a, something that had been bought or something had been promised, once it was paid in full, a shorthand version of that word was written on the documents. Let that sink in for a moment. The debt, the consequences of our sin, the things that we should have to pay have already been paid in full because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It's complete. It's finished. It's done. And when he died on the cross, he paid that debt in full. And because of that, we have this freedom in Christ. Now, don't misunderstand me. In this life, there are consequences for things we do. You know, if you, if you make a, a mistake and, and a, a unintended child comes to this world, God may forgive you. It may all be done, but there's still earthly consequences. That child is still going to be a part of your life. Or they should be. You know, if, if, if you go through a, a breakup over a marriage that's, that's, that some of it is, is your fault, you know, the, the children are still going to have to pay the price of that breakup. There are consequences to things that we do, but that doesn't mean, you know what? Jesus paid for the eternal consequences. You can be in absolute right standing with God. And here's the best part. I love how that even the stuff we have to face in life because of the mistakes we've made in the past, he has a way of turning those into beautiful things that can be used to help somebody else's life. How great is it to have to say, I once was, but now. I mean, God does that. There's such a freedom we can have for consequences. And I'm here to tell you this morning, there is a power in declaring those things over your life. You may not exactly feel like it. You may feel, still feel like you're carrying some guilt, but there's a power before you can lay them down, to even stand up and declare, I am free from guilt in the name of Jesus. I am free from the accusations that have been hurled my way. I am free from the consequences in Jesus' name. See, in Christ we have freedom. And we're free from the ultimate consequences of the things we've done. There's one more freedom we can declare. Freedom from accusation. charge of wrongdoing, a charge of guilt or blame or some circumstance. See, apparently, with, without going too far, getting too political, apparently we live in a world anymore where all you need is an accusation. Nothing has to be proven. Freedom from accusation. Colossians 1.22 says this, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. 
Let that sink in. Free from accusation. There's a power in being free from accusation. Just like the duck story. There is something that happens that once your guilt is released, because once he confessed it, once he told his grandfather what he had done, all of a sudden it didn't matter what his sister Sally said. She could accuse him of killing that duck all she wanted to. It was powerless. When we give our, our, the things in our lives, the stuff we've done in the past, when we give it to Jesus, all of a sudden those accusations can't hold anything against us anymore. It doesn't matter if anybody says, but you're only a fill in the blank. Because then you can say, you're only a cheater. You're only a liar. You're only a, a murderer. You're only whatever, all the stuff. You're a thief. You can stand up and say, you know what? That used to be true, but you can accuse me all you want now because I've already taken it to the judge. And because of the righteousness of his son, I've been declared free. And you can accuse all you want. It has no power. Revelation 12, 10 through 11. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before God. And they, are con- and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. See, we know that Satan is the accuser. He's the one that hurls. He's the one that wants to bring all that junk from your past back up and try to get you to continue to carry that guilt, try to get you to continue to do all those things. But it is done. It is gone. It has no power. And you can walk in that. We are blameless. We're clothed in his righteousness. Oh, I could just, when I, when I read that and I think of that, I just picture this court scene of, of God the Father being the judge and he's, he's sitting there and I, and I just see the enemy coming and trying to hurl all the accusations of everything you've ever done wrong in your past, trying to get you to carry that guilt, trying to get you to do all that stuff. And when it's all said and done and he's made his case and you look so guilty, Jesus in your defense just stands up He's one of mine. She's one of mine. They've been washed in the blood, and they're clothed in my righteousness. And all of a sudden, not guilty is the verdict, no matter how strong the case. Isn't that incredible? Because there's no subject to blame the accusation See, there's a power in that. Just like Billy's sister no longer had the power. When we come to Jesus, he sets us free, and we are declared free. We're declared free from guilt. We're declared free from the ultimate consequences of our sins, and we're declared free from accusation. You know what I think, though? I think many times it starts. How do you put those burdens down? How do you take this on? I think there's a power in declaring some things over yourself. Like I said at the very beginning, before 
all the battles are won. Before the things are completely put away, you begin to speak and declare in faith over yourself in alignment with his word. And then pretty soon you will find that it becomes a reality. Even though there's battles to fight, you're already free in your heart. I love celebrating our independence. But I think ultimately we need to realize that our freedom was declared with the words, it is finished. We could get the little music in the background. How many of you, I don't know, when you get into these things, it can be so hard to admit things. But how many of you will be willing to say, you know what, I need to declare those things over myself. I've got guilt I've been carrying. I've got consequences I've been living with. Maybe even I've, you, you say, I've, I've given my life to Christ. I've, I've prayed the prayer. But yet it just seems like the enemy is constantly accusing me of this. What do you think? You think this thing's for you? You really think he's going to do that for you? You're just a fill in the blank. But once you put it under the blood of Jesus Christ, once you declare that over yourself, you're not just a anything but a born-again child of the living God. He calls it born again for a reason. It's a new start. It's a fresh start. And he desires that for you. I want to ask our prayer team to come. And we're going we're gonna to do something different. I don't know that I've ever done anything like this. And I'm going to open the altars in just a moment for you to come and be prayed over if you want to be prayed over. But I'm telling you, I believe that there is a power in declaration. And so I played with a few lines of the declaration of independence and I kind of rewrote it a little bit some of I borrowed it some of it I tweaked myself but I came up with a declaration of dependence how do you know how many of you know that to truly be free we have to acknowledge our dependence on him and so if you're willing this morning to make a declaration of dependence I would like for you to stand and repeat these words after me as a prayer. I hold this truth to be self-evident that all men are created equal in sin. 
that through grace they have been endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are abundant life, liberty in Christ, and the pursuit of peace beyond understanding. That to secure these rights, our Savior died and rose again so that we would no longer walk the path of destruction. I will no longer give space to the cruel taskmaster who has been declared the prince of this world. He has gone about like a roaring lion causing havoc in my life. Robbing me of liberty and peace. So it is on this day that I declare my total dependence on God and what Jesus Christ did for me. I declare that who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. If you're here this morning, you say, you know, This spoke to me, but I would really like somebody to pray with me over some circumstance. We're going to give you an opportunity just to step out. We're a few minutes early getting out, so there's time for you to come and be prayed over. Right before we stepped up, Sandra Brown came to me and told me that, uh, gave me the news. I didn't even know that she was suffering with it, but she told me that uh, she found out that she had been suffering from hepatitis C and that she is now completely whole and well and it is finished. Mm. And she is well and whole. So there's a power in prayer. If you're here and there's just something we're going to let just invite you. You can be seated if you like, but we're going to let those that would like prayer to come down to be prayed for. And um, please feel free to step out because we believe in the power of prayer. And if you feel like that you need to step out, I just ask you to quietly step out as those are praying. And then that prayer time, I'm going to ask Pastor Nate to close it out.
you guys for joining us today. We still have some people that are praying. We want to be mindful of them. If you're a guest with us, Pastor David is out in the foyer. He'd love to meet with you. I'm going to pray and dismiss you guys. God bless you. Father, we thank you for this day. We declare over our people today freedom. We declare over them the works of God in their lives. And we declare freedom from the past, freedom from sin, and freedom for life. I pray God blessings over them as they go today. Lord, that you would watch over them and keep them. That you would direct the paths of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.